Our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, years ago, a good-looking man wearing custom designer clothes having well-polished shoes, perfect teeth, and a charismatic personality, set foot into a church. And the folks of that church welcomed that person with open arms. A family from the church invited him to sit up front with them. Three different families invited him out to lunch after church. But on that same Sunday, a not-so-good-looking man wearing old clothing came to church. He passed by the greeters who didn't even hand him a bulletin. And as he looked for a seat, someone said, oh, you stand, you stand back there, pointing to a spot in the back of the church next to the garbage can filled with dirty diapers. No one said anything to him after church because they were too busy swarming the other man. So let me ask you this. Would that be acceptable behavior for followers of Jesus? Yes, unacceptable, you're right. It wouldn't be acceptable. And yet this is the kind of showing partiality that James talks about in our passage this morning. And the first thing we learn in this passage is that faith in Jesus and favoritism don't mix. He tells us that if we are trusting in Jesus as our glorious Lord, we can't show partiality. We can't play favorites. And James gives us this clear example of what playing favorites looks like. It looks like giving a seat of honor to a man with nice clothing and jewelry while not even giving the poor guy who comes a seat at all or even saying, hey, sit at my feet because that's polite, right? Could you imagine a church like that? Wouldn't that be such a contradiction to everything Jesus did and taught? But it appears that some church communities that James wrote to were very great at valuing the wealthy but also very good at devaluing the poor as well. 
Now, maybe it was because the wealthy had the power and the money and the influence and the prominence, whereas they saw that the uh, poor seemed to have little contribution as far as money and influence, at least. Regardless of, of the reason, though, it's the exact opposite of how those who profess faith in Christ should live. When we do these things, James tells us, we create class distinctions in our church community, as if there's a low class, a middle class, and a high class in the body of Christ, which there isn't. Everyone is on equal footing. Plus, in doing these things, we become judges with evil intent, and that is not a compliment. So what other reasons then does James give us as to why the church should not play favorites, especially as it concerns the poor? Well, firstly, he tells us that God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs of his kingdom. He says in verse 5, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? How many of you are glad that God does not choose us or save us based on our net worth? That's a really good thing. No, he chooses, he often chooses people that society doesn't even care about, but that he does. He saves people that often are considered outcasts, but whom he loves. Those with little financial means who trust in Jesus may be poor monetarily, but rich in faith and trust and dependence on Jesus. God's kingdom doesn't work in the way that society works. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke 6, 20 said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. You may have little now, but those who trust in Jesus inherit God's kingdom, will be with him forever. Now, compared to any wealth here on earth, that's infinitely better. And if these are the type of people God has chosen for his kingdom, James basically reasons, why are they being dishonored? Especially since most of the people in these churches that were dishonoring the poor were poor themselves. Should we not then be seeking to bless the poor whom God loves rather than exclude? Secondly, James says that while those uh, people he's writing to were honoring the wealthy, the wealthy were actually the ones dishonoring them. So he points to a particular situation um, where uh, the people of these churches were actually being dragged into court by wealthy people. These particular wealthy people were uh, blaspheming the name of Jesus. And so basically to honor them at the expense of the poor was foolish. Now, that doesn't mean that wealth or being wealthy is evil in and of itself. It's not what James is saying here. What it does mean is that being wealthy does not necessarily equal good character or faith in Jesus. It doesn't necessarily equal God's approval. In the case of the churches James writes to, showing favoritism to the wealthy was like showing favoritism to the school bully. Just wasn't a good idea. Thirdly, favoritism violates Jesus' command of love your neighbor as yourself. We read in Mark 12, 28 to 31, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, asked Jesus, 
Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. James says that if we fulfill the command of loving our neighbors as ourselves, we do well. But when we show partiality, we violate Jesus' commands. And thus, we're guilty of breaking the whole law because the same God that spoke love your neighbor has spoken all these commands. And so in no uncertain terms, James declares that playing favorites in the church community is a sin. Fourthly, this idea of favoritism adopts the ways of society rather than the ways of God. In the Greco-Roman world in which James and his hearers were living, the poor were worthless. They were disregarded, they were devalued. And in society today, we can see some of that as well. But James writes, as we heard last week in 127, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You see, when the church devalues the poor, just like society, we've become stained by the values of the world. We've adopted society's values instead of God's. And when we value one group at the expense of devaluing another, we're living according to the philosophies of our society, and we have disregarded God's ways. Now, here's the thing. Playing favorites was not just a first-century problem, and I I think we know that. We may also show partiality in ways. We might show partiality to the wealthy, especially if we we could really use their money and their influence. We might show partiality to those who can do more for our church in the way of, of gifts or work or talent. We might show favoritism to those we deem more normal, Or we might play favorites with people who are more popular in the eyes of the world. But when we do these things, we do them at somebody else's expense and we sin. And we create divisions between the people of the church, an upper and a lower class that do not exist in the body of Christ and cannot exist in the body of Christ. And when we show that favoritism, then we devalue others. We devalue the poor who God lifts up, whether they be poor monetarily or poor in the sense that they're hurting or grieving. We devalue people whom God has gifted with different gifts that are no less valuable. We devalue those who may not be able to help with physical projects, but whose sheer presence blesses the church community because they are made in the image and likeness of God. We might devalue those with struggles and sins different from ours, even though our sins are just as sinful and we are just in need, just as in need of Jesus as anyone else is. You see, there is no one in the way here. Everyone is meant to be valued as God values them. Every single person in this church community, every single person who enters through those doors has value and worth as having made in the image and likeness of God. And so, let us not show partiality 
because in doing so, we'd be harming our witness for Christ and we would need to repent. I was visiting a church many, many years ago and I was not struck by the preaching. I don't remember anything about the service. What I did remember was an announcement that was made and it said something like this. We have a number of autistic children and teenagers in our church and we want them in service with us. As such, you may hear unexpected things or noises that you're not used to, and that's okay. To me, that was beautiful because it was saying, we're not gonna tell people, you sit over there, you stand over there, or you be elsewhere. They could have been tempted to say, you know what, this group of children and teens, well, their minds process the world differently and they're going to be a disruption, so they're in the way. But they didn't do that. No, they saw the beauty of those created in God's image and likeness, whose minds work differently but beautifully, and they chose to do what James says here. And that's what it looks like to value everyone's presence in the church community. So if James is telling us not to show partiality, if as Christians we should not show favorites, what do we do instead? Love our neighbor as ourselves. James says we do well when we do that. And Paul writes in Galatians 4.14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it's true. All of Jesus' commands boil down to that when we understand what it means to truly love. As we talked about last week, we can't just hear God's commands. We have to live them out. Where we welcome everyone, we value everyone, we love everyone. Now that doesn't mean that we embrace sin. That, that's not what James is talking about. But it's understanding that we are all sinners. We are all equally in need of God's grace in Christ. We all need to turn to Jesus and repent of our sins. And as such, we must also work to ensure each of us is seen and valued because Jesus saw us and valued us. And so it's important that we seek to help people in need, people who are poor or in need in other ways, instead of turning a blind eye. It's the idea of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you if you were in their shoes. Bless those who cannot bless us in return. God's commands are the standards. So as James says, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. God has shown us immense mercy, so we are called to show mercy to others, to not play favorites. And that's the standard by which we will be judged. James goes on to say, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we lack mercy towards others as the body of Christ, we will be judged without mercy. However, let us also remember how God's mercy triumphed over judgment on the cross. And let us, in response, show mercy for all, especially the poor and those in need. And let that triumph over playing favoritism. I want to tell you another story. Many years ago, a man named Alex walked into a church. He had a bunch of tattoos, 
had a lot of piercings, his clothes were sort of smelly. He didn't look like the type of person you'd find in church, nor that some people might even want in their church. And there was a person ahead of him in line to get a bulletin, and that person was wearing a very nice suit. The greeter greeted the man in the suit with a smile and a handshake. And when Alex came up to the greeter, the greeter did the same for him. He also said, welcome to, your, welcome to our church. Have you been here before? Let me introduce you to some people. Miss Sally gave up her seat in the front so that he could sit in the front. Miss Eugenia gave Alex a big hug. And the man in the nice suit sat next to him and struck up a conversation. Alex, a man who had been judged by many in society as worthless, was shown his worth in the body of Christ. He heard about Jesus, but he also was shown who Jesus was. He heard about his sin, and he realized his desperate need for Jesus. And all around him, everyone, were others who also knew their sin and their desperate need for Jesus and his forgiveness. And that's what happens when we choose to love and we choose not to show partiality. Let us pray. Lord, your word calls us to higher standards than society. And we know that those standards are because you have shown us so much mercy and grace. And you have shown us what is truly valuable. So help us to show mercy to those around us. Help us to reach out to those in need. And help us to not play favorites, but rather to show everyone through our words and our actions your love and your mercy and grace so that more people may know you and be saved by you. In Jesus' name, amen.